You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Soprano Amber Wagner and baritone Corey Kreider are backstage at Lyric. It's amazing the journey you take from your first year coming in, depending on where you're already at when you come in. I was extremely green coming in. I didn't have a whole lot of personal tools to navigate, especially with languages. But it is amazing to think of the journey that I've made year by year and what the coaches give us. I feel very, very equipped leaving here. I'll put it this way, this has been a perfect twilight for me to my young artist career in several facets. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. Lyric's Patrick G. and Shirley W. Ryan Opera Center is one of the world's most prestigious programs for the training of young artists. Each season, the Ryan Opera Center's brilliantly gifted singers perform Rising Stars in Concert, an evening of thrilling arias and ensembles accompanied by members of the Lyric Opera Orchestra. In anticipation of Rising Stars, two Ryan Opera Center members took some time to talk with me about this event, also about their experiences at Lyric Opera and their goals for the future. Before the conversation begins, you'll hear details on how you can enjoy Rising Stars, which is a special benefit available only to contributors to Lyric Opera. Now here's the interview with soprano Amber Wagner and baritone Corey Kreider. I hope you enjoy it. On Saturday, April 3rd, Lyric Opera's renowned training program, the Ryan Opera Center, will present its annual Rising Stars in Concert. The current members of the Center's 2009-10 ensemble will be performing with a Lyric Opera Orchestra under Sir Andrew Davis. The Rising Stars concert is one of the benefits available to contributors to Lyric Opera. For more information about contributing, go to www.lyricopera.org, click on Support Lyric, and then click on Donor Benefits. I'm here with two members of the Ryan Opera Center, soprano Amber Wagner and baritone Corey Kreider. So what are you both singing on the Rising Stars concert? I will be singing Pace from La Forza, and we together are singing the Act Two scene from Traviata, the duet. The, the Germain, Germain Violet, the duet, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Corey, what's your aria going to be? I'm singing Vision Fugitive from Herodiade Massenet. Are these pieces... Pace and Vision <coughs> Fugitive, are those pieces that have been part of your regular repertoire, or this is, or is this your first time to do them with orchestra? Or? This is, I've done Pace with orchestra before in my pre-lyric days, so it has some muscle memory issues, but they're being currently wor- <laughs> fixed, worked out, <laughs> so no. I've dabbled with Vision Fugitive in terms of just coaching it here and there, but just in the past few months, it's been um, it's been a staple on my audition repertoire. But for me, this will be the first time with orchestra. What are the two of you anticipating it's going to be like to perform these big pieces with the Lyric Opera Orchestra under our music director, Sir Andrew Davis? 
I have mixed feelings. I think it's going to be pretty emotional just because this is my last year with the center. Your third um, year. This is my third year. And I love Pache. I think it's <laughs> a... Uh, I just think it's a wonderful aria. And I feel like it is the proper aria to show how I've grown as a musician being in this program. It takes a lot of control. And I think it's going to be kind of a mixed emotion night. I... I don't anticipate I'm just going to start crying on stage, but I'm sure I will after. <laughs> and Corey? I second that motion about the uh, the emotional part. It, it was my second, but similarly last year with the program. And also, this aria has always been one for me that, I'll tell you what gets me every time, is when I'm not singing. The interlude between the recit and the aria with the saxophone solo, <laughs> of all things, you know, where the the vision is actually appearing before Herod it's like an out of body experience sometimes even in auditions in a small little room with a piano wearing a suit so with orchestra and the, the, all the textures that Massonet writes in I'm uh, I just I can't wait I hope I'm able to keep control of my emotions <laughs> <laughs> when did you both start at the opera center I started in the spring of 2007. And what was your first sort of big opera center experience? Was it one of the workshop performances or Millennium Park? Or? Uh, it was going on that first season for Marjorie Owens as Anina in Traviata with Renee Fleming. And Corey, what was your what was your debut? My debut would have to have been Lulu. I believe that's right. That's an exciting way to start, too. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you. Um, What got you interested in this program to start with? The late Richard Perlman was a Met judge of mine and said, you should come and sing for the program. And so I was going to, and then he unfortunately passed away before I could get out here. And I thought, well, that was the only person I had at Lyric that knew uh, you know, I didn't know he kept notes or anything, and so I <laughs> thought I'll just throw my hat into the ring one more time before I was headed to CCM for my master's. To University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, my little cavalier was all packed and stopped in San Francisco, sang the audition, and the rest is history. Hey, Corey, you came from CCM. Actually, yeah, right. I, I'm, I was one of those who had to go. So, no, I, uh, I, ever since I started my master's degree at the University of Kentucky... Uh, that's when I just first started getting into opera. It's when I did my first opera. I didn't sing any opera in an uh, undergraduate degree other than the occasional aria here and there. But uh, the the rumors, not the rumors, but the information that was floating around about young artist programs, and this is the way sort of in this country, it's sort of the, the plan A for singers to get their career going is to go through these young artist programs. And uh, from the time I can remember, lyrics program, at the time, you know, Lear of Opera Chicago's, what was it, the Center for American Artists, and now the Ryan Center, was the program of choice. You are here <coughs> in no small part because of the generosity of sponsors. And so I wanted to ask you who your particular sponsors are. That's the first thing. And have you had contact with them and what sort of response they've had when they've heard you in performance? My sponsor, sponsors, uh, David Valkama and Paul Mavros, and they're from the Paul's Foundation, and they're like uncles to me. I mean, we uh, frequently go out to dinner together, and they have 
done above and beyond just sponsoring us and me in this program. They've bought me gowns to perform in. They always have del flowers delivered for anything I ever do, including Kate Pinkerton. I mean, it could be the smallest little role. <laughs> There's flowers in my dressing room. Um, they come to everything that they can possibly get to if I'm singing on it. So they're, and they're like family members. And even donors like uh, Ken and Jane Pickett have taken me under their wing. Um, I think just our donor circle here at Lyric is very, they're so eager to get to know us and accept us and support us. So I've been so fortunate to have amazing. My sponsors are Mr. and Mrs. William Vance. And uh, what's so remarkable to me about them is, for instance, this season, they are the primary underwriter of an entire production, Damnation. Yet uh, they still feel a, a responsibility to keep the other iron in the fire with the young artists and, and sponsor me. So uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, their sponsorship and their um, generosity to opera comes in such a comprehensive fashion. Another important thing that <coughs> I wanted to ask about is the tools that one acquires in a program like this, the tools that you can keep with you and use to the fullest when you are out there in the professional world, not that you're, I mean, of course you're in the professional world here, but I said when you, when you leave the cocoon of lyric opera mm -hmm. and go out and make your way on, on the national and international scene, what is, has been most useful that you expect to carry with you? I just was thinking about this the other day when I was performing Stab at Mata this weekend. I mean, it, it's amazing the journey you take from your first year coming in, depending on where you're already at when you come in. I was extremely green coming in. I didn't have a whole lot of personal tools to navigate, especially with languages. But it is amazing to think of the journey that I've made year by year and what the coaches give us, the information, but just the... The actual, uh, I, can't, I can't think of the word, but to how you can navigate your voice and they teach you how to feel it, do you understand what you're doing here, and to memorize how those feelings feel when you're performing so you know, I don't have to be scared of these notes, I don't have to be scared of this passage because I already know how to get through this and I already know how to, you know, the syntax with languages and stuff. I mean, we're, I don't know, I feel very, very equipped leaving here. I'll put it this way, this has been a perfect twilight for me to my young artist career in several facets. One, the Italian work that I've gotten to do here in this house, uh, having and especially having done The Count in uh, Nozze and Giovanni in our workshop productions, where we basically do little to no cuts, do the entire role. Giovanni is a role I've done before, Count is not, but working on that with... Uh, one of our music staff, Eric Weimer, who speaks Italian, as well as uh, Alessandra Visconti, who we bring in, who is uh, a, a linguist in town, who is both American and Roman, uh, has been absolutely invaluable. I believe it's, uh, it's that, those are tools that I believe I've taken my Italian to three or four notches higher than it was before I got here. Also, seeing the world's greatest artists come through and not only watching them perform, but watching them rehearse, watching what they do, watching what they don't do, is are things that I 
there will be things like that that I'll remember 15, 20 years from now that will just be in the back of my mind and I'll go, oh, right, I remember so-and-so doing that or or approaching things this way. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have as director of the program an artist who had a major international career, John Rolandi, (coughs) who is now a voice teacher? I would think that that would be a huge difference as opposed to somebody who has not been a performer. She always would say in our lessons, to me at least, you're going to really learn how to perform when you're on your feet. I can teach you things in here. I can help you uh, develop a top, and your coaches will help you. But everything's going to kick in for you when you start performing. And it was very true. Um, I did a number of rehearsals for Arnani, and I did that stage rehearsal, and it's true. That's when most of everything you learn, exactly how to stay in your body, in this cavity, lurch all over the stage, (laughs) really does come into play, and you're like, okay, I can get through this role. Not only get through it, I can get through it well and sing it well. So she's right. I mean, her experience performing is why she has that wisdom. Mm -hmm. If she was a voice teacher who was a great pedagogue... Only. Exactly. She'd be a great technician, but she wouldn't know that this is going to kick in for you because I've performed. I know what I'm doing here. Corey, you talked about rehearsing and performing with major artists. Can you give me an example, both of you, of watching a major artist at work, whether on stage or in a rehearsal room, where you said, oh, so that's how such a problem is solved. I just learned something from that person about how one works. Man, there's so many. Uh, one, uh, one of the first experiences that comes to mind is this season watching uh, Piotr Pichawa. I would stand over on the wings sometimes and just watch him sing. And like Amber was talking about, not just watching him sing in rehearsal, but watch him sing on stage in a performance when there's a house there and all of the temptations to give too much or to get outside of your means. And he he was so solid. It was I would ma- mention to people all the time. This is like watching a voice lesson yep. happen. You know, it was just such a such an impeccable craft and. Uh, anima soul that he puts into his singing and and the pacing was in because faust is you know five acts long it's just it, it's a it's an amazing amazingly difficult and uh, marathon of a role and he was just night after night after night so consistent and so within himself and used that discipline to actually give so much as an artist it was a, a, a huge impact on me and learning experience Amber, what comes to your mind? Frank Lopardo. He just did um, Elixir. And there was particularly one night, and I went to the performance, and I was in, like, the third or fourth row. And uh, he was, you know, having to clear his throat a little bit. I wouldn't say by any means he was under the weather, but he was probably maybe not at 100%. And I uh, went during intermission and went and talked to him, and I said, what's your, like, what's your secret? When I don't feel good, I, I just don't always sing well. And he said, I never push. I just mm. let the voice come out. And it really is. It, Frank. When Frank sings, it is a voice lesson. Just mm-hmm. watching him from stage. That man still sounds like he's in his late 20s singing these roles because he was really smart about the rep he chose. <laughs> but that never pushing, I was like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting concept. Right. I'll have to apply that. <laughs> it's one of those great combinations of the, f- 
the freshness of oh, yeah. of youth in the voice with the maturity and richness of, of the age exactly, he actually is. It's, exactly. it's, a, it's a beautiful combination. <laughs> You've also worked with some major directors and conductors. I mean, Amber, you were in Katya Kabanova this year in which Marcus Stentz was conducting. I had a little crush on him. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was just so great. He was amazing. And um, knew the work really well. Loved the work. Yeah, and I had a really brief little role. I think I had like four lines. But <laughs> he knew the work really well, and he kind of infused that passion he had for it. It was contagious to the cast. And Corey, you were in the Lulu production that was directed by Paul Curran, mm. which was, I think, a great experience for everybody, as far as I could tell. Oh, it was. It's. Uh, I would tell a lot of people who had not seen Lulu before, I was like, listen, just come and pretend you're going to a foreign film and let the music just be the soundtrack to, work. to what's going on. And I, that's, that is not a, that's not intended to be taking away from the brilliance no. of the music. Rather, that's just, to me, that's how that art form works. But it was such an, an yeah, that was an invigorating piece of theater, both with Paul's direction and the, the just incredible friendly rapport that he had with all the artists and that was something I found very special about Paul. Mm. I was singing a very small role. It was, it was, a, it was a good role. It, there was a little feature there but Paul never came across as though he did not have time or interest in the small roles. He treated me I felt with the same respect and interest that he was treating Miles Peterson, Peterson who was singing uh, Lula. Right. You talked about language, co- uh, perf- language coachings. You talked about uh, the workshop performances. Have there been uh, sort of run-out performances where you've been able to do you know, small concerts for special audiences here and there? Yeah, we've actually done a couple, I think. Well, sure. I, I, know, I remember we did one at the, uh, in Skokie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, Francesco. The Mozart. And we did, it was a Mozart concert, and it was with a, you know, a, a, local, a local orchestra in the suburbs. And we did a whole Mozart concert. It was it was it was fantastic. Another, you know, the more chances we get to sing with orchestra and in different halls, the more I think we get closer to that feeling of that true feeling of professionalism. Yeah. That I can more and more you're you're uh, able to quickly adapt to different acoustics yeah, and learn how your voice works in this hall with this orchestra yep. and what you know how far can I play and how far can I not. You know, yep. give and all yeah. those things. Oh, it's a, that's a, invaluable. There <laughs> have also been uh, here at the Opera House some master classes. Mm-hmm. I remember Amber, you're singing for Deborah Voigt, <laughs> which was a major event in your life. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like to sing for somebody fun. who represents your repertoire? <laughs> She's such a gem of a person, and immediately when she came to Lyric, because I covered Brangina and Tristan. And she sang as old as she kind of um, kind of took me under her wing. We mm-hmm. would have talks, and at that time, I you know, I had I knew that I was covering her in Ariadne in upcoming seasons, and so I shared that with her. And she goes, "Oh, I'll teach you, you know, how to chest most of that song piece because she was joking." But she's um, she's invaluable to me as far as the rep that we sing, because. Mm-hmm. As much as I, our coaches are amazing and John is amazing, someone who actually sings your rep and knows what you're going through on certain phrases, especially the end of that piece, it's like, how do I get enough air? How do I? Mm-hmm. 
So it was kind of thrilling to sing for her. And she was so gracious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had a lot of good moments here. I, re- I remember that day, and I remember her making a joke to the effect, immediately after Amber finished, uh, I remember her making a joke to the effect of, well, I don't think I want to help this girl lest she starts singing it better than me. <laughs> Corey, have you had your share of uh, Masterclass experiences? Sure. Um, let's see. I, I believe I sang in that Masterclass as well. You sang the count. And, yeah, I sang in a Nathan Gunn Masterclass. It was it's it, very interesting because with with, uh, with Debbie, I sang the Count's Aria from uh, Not Said Figaro. And with uh, Nathan, I sang a, an American song by John Duke, uh, Luke Havergal. So, you know, it's kind of fun just to take that different, for me, you know, two very different things, uh, pieces that I would use in completely different venues, and yet uh, try to take from these uh, accomplished artists their insight their perspective on these pieces we also get buddy coachings with them sure tell our listeners what a buddy coaching is uh buddy coaching is when they are generous enough with their time that they just see us one-on-one instead of Mm -hmm. teaching in a master class setting we just go to a room with the coach and she you know i've done it with sandra debbie sandra ravanovsky yes uh several times when she was here for Mm -hmm. anani um, did you get to do any of those with uh, the guy from Tristan that we liked so much? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. I did several buddy coachings with Jason Stearns. Yes. who that's you know working with someone who is, I mean this completely respectively, uh, he really is a generation older than I am, but sings thing he sings things now that I hope to sing and hope to be singing at his level when I'm his age. You know, it's. Uh, it's, it's so impressive. What you were talking about earlier, singing with someone in your flock or, or people oh, yeah. who are ahead of you have done what you will do. Yeah. They're just uh, nooks and crannies, if you will, of pieces that they understand that no one else understands to that degree and can, and can speak as openly and, and from as much of an informed perspective as they can. I wanted to talk a bit about the future and how you view the next couple of years, what you're hoping to accomplish, and uh, what your immediate plans are, uh, because I know our listeners will be interested and will want to follow your success uh, in uh, in other opera houses around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Well, we finish the program in April, and then... I travel a bit throughout the summer, just finishing competitions because I turned 30 this year, so it's like my last. Um, and then in the fall, I return here to cover Amelia and Balo. And again, in the spring, I will sing uh, two performances of Elsa in Lohengrin. In between there, I have concert work. I sing the first act of Die Wachere with Colorado Symphony, uh, Grant Park, stuff like that. So, What's going on at Grant Park? Um, I believe, well, I sing Grant Park in June, Beethoven's C major mass. And then talking with Carlos, because I just did the organ symphony with him, I think we might be doing Strauss's four last songs in 11. That's not for sure yet, though. <laughs> Corey, how are you proceeding? Well, the, f- the first thing that I have to take care mm-hmm. of is uh, the birth of my daughter. 
uh, which will be happening right or sometime around the 1st of April. Wow. The due, date, the due date's the 1st of April, so hopefully I will be indeed in-house singing this uh, Rising Stars concert. Um, and uh, I'm going to uh, Virginia, to the middle of nowhere, Virginia, Castle in Virginia this summer, to sing uh, the title role in Johnny Skiki with Lauren Mazel, who is, you know, this is, I believe, the second year of his festival. So that, of course, is another, uh, we're talking about singing with people that are experienced. Very uh, exciting. You know, uh, Lauren Mazel, I have a recording of Lauren Mazel conducting Tito Gobbi singing Johnny Skiki. So uh, that'll be. That, that will be something. Uh, I'll be back next season as well, singing Larkins in Fanchula and uh, covering uh, the role of Sonora. Well, I want to wish both of you the very best with Night of the Rising Stars and with all of your future plans. It's been wonderful having you with Ryan Opera Center. Thank you very much. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content, And to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org.